0: Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from ResLife Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. We have been uh, teaching this week, or this, this past week we started teaching through James. And as I shared with people last week, um, most of the time I've been doing messages, topical messages, where we would talk about forgiveness and we would... F- bring in a bunch of what the Bible says about that, we'd talk about um, faith or different things. What we're doing right now is we're working through James, and we're just going where the book of James goes. So our topics um, vary a little bit, and it's been exciting. We had a great week last week. If you didn't um, catch it, you can find it online. But we got as far as James 19, one 19. And here's what it says there. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, who everyone. everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalently uh, that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Few things stand out. First of all, that scripture that says that displays of human anger do not produce the righteousness of God. This is is an important reminder for us because many times we, we actually rationalize and think, well, if I... If I don't display my anger, how will they know? If I don't do this, won't they maybe not change or react? But God says there is a better way. He says that displays of anger, human anger, do not bring about the results that he wants. And it's a, it's a trick that the devil tells us that says... You know, if I don't explode, they won't care. If I don't threaten, they won't respect me. I washed the oil off my fingers with the baptisms and now I can't separate the page. God, interestingly enough, he did design anger. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Some of us come from different extremes. We've talked about this before. There's the center of the road, and then the enemy wants us in one extreme or the other. He doesn't care which ditch you go off. His goal is to get you off the right path. Some of us think every display of frustration or anger is wrong. Others think that any display of anger that's a reaction to something wrong that someone else did is justified. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Anger is not meant to be someplace that you stay. Righteous indignation comes as a result of something that has been done wrong. We see something. We're indignant. That shouldn't be. That's unfair, that's unjust, that's unkind, that's rude, inappropriate, that's a crime. But the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. What he's saying is we we can be stirred to action because we see that something's out of place. But if we stay in an angry place, it's long-term we aren't emotionally designed to stay angry and healthy simultaneously. If we stay angry over time, God says, that's, that's not what I designed this for. At all. It should be short-lived and infrequent. And the Bible says, slow to anger. It doesn't say never be angry, but be slow to anger. Ephesians, or excuse me, Isaiah 55 says this, so will my word, which goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the purpose, which I have sent for it. It's interesting that the Bible says in the the verse we just read, it says, we are to humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. God's word, just say this with me, God's word is powerful. is powerful. There is power in God's word. The Bible says it can save you. But it's interesting that it says you must humbly accept the word planted. You can I'm going to say this. You can resist the transformational power of God's word by not giving it authority in your life. Many of us imagine that anything supernatural is automatic and will force itself on us. We think, well, if God wants me to be blessed, he'll bless me. If he wants me to be healthy, he'll make me healthy. If he he wants me to, you know, whatever. If he wants me to have good complexion, then I won't get a sunburn. We have this mindset that whatever is supernatural is automatic. But I want us to consider Scripture regarding that. He said that we must humbly accept the word. And if we humbly accept it, it's capable of saving us. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. Did she experience a miracle? If you remember, this is the woman who had a problem that no doctor could solve. And she went to Jesus and and said, the Bible says that she said to herself, if I could touch the hem of his garments, I know I would be saved or healed. And she did. She reached out and Jesus didn't even know she was there. Remember the story? He says, wait, someone touched me. And his disciples are like, well, you're in a crowd of people. Of course someone touched you. He said, no, I felt virtue go out of me. Something just happened. Who was it? She says, "Well, that was me." She took action and received a supernatural healing. The paralytic who was lowered through the ceiling in to interrupt Jesus's sermon was healed. The blind man who called out to Jesus so much so that the people were trying to. to to shut him up. He was healed. These are examples of people who engaged and received their miracle. Jairus. Do you remember the story of Jairus? Jairus had a daughter who was sick. He believed that Jesus could heal his daughter. And he, he goes and he finds Jesus. And he says, hey, would you please heal my daughter? And Jesus responds and says that he had great faith. What did he do? He engaged with him. Now, this one, I got to thinking about this. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, accepted what was to be in order, before it happened. Do you remember? The Bible says that an angel came to her and said, blessed are you among women. And then told her what would happen. And what did she say in Luke one thirty-seven, Because he told him that the Spirit of the Lord would come on her and she would conceive. Not that she had, but that this was coming. And she said in chapter 1, verse 37 of Luke, she said, For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary, who experienced one of the most famous miracles in the Bible, was approached by an angel, told what would happen, and she humbly accepted the word of the the Lord. She said, let it be unto me. What we do is more important than what we want. I want to be skinny. How many of you realize? That's good. But, if I want to be skinny and I eat junk food and I drink a two liter of pop every day, I'm not likely to be skinny. Many of us say, I want God's peace. I want God to grant me peace. But, I want to dwell on offenses and I want to refuse to forgive. Oh, but I want peace. I want to be blessed. Oh, but I want to speak about and dwell on and, and talk negatively about everything that I expect and anticipate is coming my way. I knew someone years ago who was training for a half marathon. and. In order to train for a half marathon, you got to do a lot of running. And I was always struck by the statement they made. They, They were in their late 20s. And as a result of all that exercise, they lost weight. And they said, I didn't think. They said, I thought my bones were too big to be this size. I didn't think it was possible. Why? Because they believed if it was possible, it would have just happened. And then they were in shock when they took action and got results that they never even believed were possible. Accept humbly the implanted word. We see the parable of the sower. Do you remember that one? The Bible says that, that the seed was like God's word. And then it says that some fell on good ground. Some fell on stony ground. Remember, some fell among thorns. Some fell on good ground where it initially took root and began to grow up. And then what does the Bible say? It says that it was choked by the weeds. And and we've shared an entire message on this. What does Jesus say the weeds represent? Some demon with a really long name? This cares of this world, an unwillingness to engage with the word and instead stay focused on the cares of this world, choked out God's word. We have to accept humbly what God, God's word says to us, for us, about us. James 1, 22, verse 25 says, We're moving forward. says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. He says, to expect God's word to have an impact on you from simply being heard is a self-deception. That idea... That even God's word simply, you know what, I showed up at church, they said it, it'll automatically have full fruit in my life. He said, the Bible says that's a self-deception. It says, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Who will be blessed? They. Who is the they? They is the one who didn't forget and took action. How many of you have ever checked the time, put your wrist down, and then been like what time is it <laughs> like you looked and your eyes saw the time but you failed to memorize the number or apply it to the situation is it before noon is it afternoon is it is it time to go is it not time to go like i looked and i saw but i didn't apply it i i I grabbed a number, a phone number to dial, I looked at it, and then I you know, flip over and I'm like, I just looked at that number, but I didn't memorize that number, so now I'm at the place in my phone where I can dial the number, but I have to go back and look at the number that I just looked at two seconds ago. Because when I looked at it, I didn't store it, I didn't keep it for action. Hebrews 4.12 tells us how powerful God's word is. It says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word is so special. So right that the Bible says when we get in his word, his word will have the effect of judging our hearts and our attitudes and even our thoughts. It says that it divides the soul and spirit. What's the difference between my spirit man and my intellect, my soul? That's hard to find, but God's word can find it. The, f- the first thing, so James one twenty six next verse, he just talked about don't deceive yourself. He talked about doing what you reacting, not just hearing, but doing. And then the next verse says, those who consider themselves religious, yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves. Now, when he just got done talking about deceiving yourself like three verses ago. And he said, if you only listen and don't do, you've deceived yourself. Then he says, those who claim to be following God, but don't let that affect their tongue, they deceive themselves. He says, you deceive yourself and their religion is worthless. Pretty strong words religion that our Godfather accepts as pure and faultless as this, look to after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep one from being polluted in the world. The first thing, the first thing that God's word should affect is our mouth. If I believe God's word, it should affect my mouth. If I don't allow, what I read, what I learn, what I hear, what God's Spirit uh, says to my own heart, if I don't allow that to affect how I speak, James says, you're like looking in a mirror and turning away. He says, it has to affect your mouth. If you don't let it affect how you speak, you are deceiving yourself. Yes, it also affects how you act. It affects how you treat others. The Bible says that, that we should be treating the orphans and those in need and responding. And yeah, we, we recognize that. Some of us kind of have skipped that first part. We're like, oh, I'm a good Christian. How do you know? Well, because I give to this thing and I, and I volunteer at this place and I, I do this and that's all good. But it's interesting that that's the second thing that the scripture says will be affected, not the first. The first thing is going to be my mouth. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, each of you should, choose, or should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. As a Christian, we read God's word, and then he says to us that he empowers our speech. He says, when you talk, do so as if they're the very words of God. A lot of times, there's a lot of things that we're willing to say that we wouldn't want God to say. How many realize that? Like, I bet you I'm going to get laid off. Well, I mean, when you say it, you're kind of like, eh, hey, whatever. But you, what if God came down? Bet you you're going to get laid off. And you'd be like, no, don't say that. God says that our words should be treated as though they matter. My, my, some of my boys were asked to get out the BB guns yesterday. And they, they had some friends over, one of them also had a BB gun. And so we're going over, You know, hey, what do you do? How, what are the safety pr- protocols with a BB gun? And if you've ever used a BB gun or any kind of gun at all, top rule is never point it at anything you aren't willing to shoot. That means if you have a gun, it does not matter whether you pull the trigger or not, you don't point it at your buddy. You don't say, oh, well, I didn't put a bullet in it yet. I can still point it at you. Gun safety says no matter what, whether you intend to pull the trigger or whether you don't, you do not point it. One of my friends growing up, his father was cleaning their gun in the basement. The gun was empty. Okay? You saw the air quotes if you're listening online. The gun was empty. And he was sitting in the basement and he was watching. I think it was like a Western with the shooting, shoot 'em up and whatever. And he's down there cleaning the gun. And got excited about the movie. He's holding a gun. So he pulls it up, points it at like the bad guy behind a rock and just pulls the trigger. Shot his television set. Because... It was loaded and he didn't realize it. He, he broke the cardinal rule of gun safety. Don't point at something you're unwilling to shoot. Fortunately, it was just the television set. But I think about that and I think about our words are like a gun and we need to treat them with the respect that a gun owner would treat the i don't i don't point negative declarations i don't point the my mouth at i think listen i want to get down here turn around and listen yes i need to hear that <laughs> sometimes Sometimes, as a pastor, I can come across as like, I'm teaching something and that means I know it all and I do it all perfectly. I don't. I'm working on it. I'm I'm, I'm preaching to myself. You know, I I see me as a coach. What coach do you know who can make 100% of all his shots? But he still can coach. I'm there with you. Like, I want to grow the things that we mumble to ourselves, Do we want those things to come true? To be true? To be reinforced? (sighs) We made it through chapter one. James chapter two. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in a filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, oh, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, oh, you stand over there, or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves? And have become judges with evil thoughts? Wow. So he says we are not to be discriminatory, to be prejudice. The word favoritism is actually implies like prejudice, predetermined favoritism. Why, why? Did he use the example of a rich and a poor? The rich person, he says, you had evil thoughts. What was his evil thought? I submit to you, he was probably thinking, you know what? I think this guy can offer me something, can do something for me, can benefit me. This guy, I don't see how he can benefit me. Put him aside. It's been said that the true measure of character is how you treat those who you don't foresee being able to benefit you. That selfishness was there. The Amplified Version says it this way. It says... My fellow believers, do not practice your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of partiality towards people. Show no favoritism, prejudice, or snobbery. Now, someone reads that and says, There you have it. I can never judge anyone. But we look at the scripture and it says, Matthew 17 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. It's interesting that in scripture we're told not to be prejudiced, but we're also told to recognize false prophets by their fruit. What is the difference between prejudice and discernment? Prejudice starts with pre. Prejudice is based on things that are not fruit. I was a loan officer for a number of years. It was absolutely, 100%, completely illegal for me to discriminate against someone for their age, their gender, their race, their color, their national origin, or because of the fact they received public assistance. It was the law. As a loan officer, if someone came to me and said, I want to borrow money for my house, it did not matter how old they were if they came in, 117 and said, I'd like to get a 30-year mortgage. Okay. It was against the law. I could not determine. You know what? I'm not going to give it to you because I don't think you're going to you know, be around for 30 more years. Against the law. If someone was, whatever their race was, whatever their gender was, those things, it was completely illegal. Illegal. But, if they had no income, no employment, bad credit, or the property they wanted to buy was bad in some way, I had to deny it. I was not allowed to discriminate against those things that were not a part of what was deemed to be discerned. Do you know what? If this person refuses to pay, if if every loan that they've ever had, if every credit card they've ever had, if they've just not bothered paying, therefore they have a really low credit score, you have to say to them, I'm sorry. And what I would say to them is, hey, this is how you can improve your credit score. Come back. But there are things that are not fruit. Race, gender, age, income, national. These things, we are, we are not to judge someone. Think about the time when this was written. This was written at a time when your national origin, when, when all of that was huge. Like, we think that we live in a racist society... And there is examples, there are examples of racism to be found, but the Bible was written at a time when, like, it was, the lines were drawn in the sand. The Christian church was, like, radical. There are rich people and poor people in the same room listening to the speaker as if they were equal. And then there's, there's Gentiles and Jews, and they're just, like, hanging out, like, like they're the same. And, and then there's, there's men and, and women. Like women are like, what? Like that is what was, he says, don't judge by those things. We, we are called to discern fruit and recognize that. There's the famous, the, the famous tattoo or saying that says, Only God can judge me. Over the week, I was like, I wonder if I can find anything. I, I put that in, and the first one that came up was, Only judge can God me. And someone had that like tattooed huge on, on themselves. And it had, it had messed up. I understand the concept that the ultimate judge is God. But we are called... To be discerning, but not prejudice. Prejudice. Saying, because of the socioeconomic status that you have, I don't expect. Because of your color of skin, I don't anticipate. Because of your age, I don't expect, believe, I don't think that you can. Because of your gender, because of... no. That is wrong. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 17, it says, Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We as Christians should be free, intentionally reject prejudice. We don't judge people by the status that they have, by the the income that they have, by their gender or race or nationality or culture. We judge them by their fruit. We see, we let them say, none of that so other stuff mattered. I'm not going to prejudge you, prejudice. I am going to welcome you in, and I will discern based on your fruit how I should interact. The Bible says um, that bad company corrupts good morals, right? You are to avoid bad company. How do you determine bad company? If you can never judge anything or anyone. No. You, you, you can, if, if someone is bad company, they're bad company. But they're not bad because of where they were born. They're not bad because of what they look like. None of that. James 2, verse 5 through 9. Listen, my dear brothers. Well, actually, that's as far as we're getting today. We'll get there too. Yeah, we got barely into. We're, we're done for, for the day. Our time is up. I expected to hit a lot more. We'll get, we'll get to a lot more next week. We'll get to a lot more next week. God's word is designed to have an impact in our, in our lives and our hearts. Coming to church. Is something that God encourages us to do. But it doesn't automatically change my life. Listening to God's word. Reading God's word. Is encouraged. But it doesn't automatically change my life. To think that it will. To think that simply hearing. Is enough. Is a form of deceit. I need to engage. I need to. Allow what I heard and what I chose to believe to impact what I say, how I act, and how I treat other people. I am not treating other people based on how, what I learned about the last person who looked or acted similar to, you know, appeared similar to them. That's wrong. But I'm impact. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to, as the word says, I'm going to humbly accept what God has for me. Mary humbly accepted. God came, sent his angel, said this, this is what we want to do. She said, I'm your servant. May it be with me as you have said. That is what she did. I I just, I really wonder, like, what if she had not wanted? Could she have rejected to be used by God? I strongly suspect she could have. She didn't. The Bible, we've talked about this recently. The Bible does talk about people in Scripture who rejected the plan of God for their life. We don't want to be them, right? We want to allow God's word into our hearts. And then act out on it. dearly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for everyone who is here today. I thank you that you use your word to inspire us. To help us recognize uh, our own thoughts. Our own um, hearts. Lord, I ask that you would touch and speak to each and every one of us. Show us where we are off, where we have resisted what God's word desires to do in our hearts, in our lives. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you know that you're forgiven, that you've been uh, forgiven of your sin, that you're right with God, I want to ask you to raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. The Bible says, no, you have salvation. If you're here and you say, well, they had their How did they know? I mean, I hope. It'd be nice. That's what I'm here for. But the Bible says, if you conf- Romans 10, 9, 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. It's not just believing. It's also speaking and confessing. And it's not the magic words as we continue through chapter 2, we're going to get into this next week. The, the, the relationship that action and faith have together. It's not just what I think, but it's not just what I do. It's when I allow what I believe to affect what I do, and I put them together, and I speak, and I act, that God says, that's, that's it. Because faith without works is dead. If you believe that Jesus desires to forgive you, that he died on the cross for your sin and rose from the dead to forgive you, then scripture says you just confess what you believe and you will be forgiven. With every eye closed, if you're here today, if you're watching online you want to do that and know that you're right with God, I invite you to raise your hand, even online, Of course, I can't see your hand, but we'll just pray in a moment and you can join with us. Let's just repeat with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to forgive my sin. I accept that forgiveness. I choose to live my life for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right.